Welcome back to the Bastionland podcast with Chris McDowell and this series is the audio commentary for Into the Odd Remastered and each week I'll be joined by a new guest to talk about Into the Odd and the games from its extended family. Today I'm joined by the creator of the biggest game about being tiny, the mouse father Isaac Williams. Welcome Isaac. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about uh, Into the Odd and uh, how to make it smaller. Well, that's it. Even smaller. Um, so for those, for those who aren't familiar with your work, would you like to give us like a little bit of background? Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 I'm the, the creator of, um, of, of a game called Mouse Ritter, which is a, uh, a, um, a hack of Into the Odd, let's say, um, where you play as brave mouse adventurers uh, exploring the, uh, the vast and dangerous world and all of, and interacting with with all of the uh, all of the, the the dangers that you can find within within a world where you're a tiny little mouse. Awesome. Um, so this is one of the games that sort of uh, it, it was kind of one of the. I, I should have done my research on this. I, I want to say this is like the most successful spin-off of in, spin-off sounds unfair. That that's really downplaying your uh, your work. It, it's, it's the most it's the most successful uh, game based on the Into the Art chassis um, that I'm sort of aware of. It's the big name that people always sort of ask me about. Um, so, what was your experience with sort of Into the Art before you decided to use it for Mouse Ritter? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I guess I kind of. You know, I guess like Mouse Ritter kind of happened accident accidentally. Uh, I didn't really didn't really set out to like design design the game that it became. Um, hmm. So yeah, like I I I kind of come off playing a, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons game, and um, and then spent you know a year a year in, in, on my gaming time, kind of just fiddling around with with OSR systems and. Uh, and discovering the world of, of OSR games and and you know, small small games with light rule sets and heavy on uh, heavy on theme uh, yeah so so and, and, and just kind of like digging into the into the world of, of Dungeons and Dragons blogs as well and so ran ran a, a couple of games of uh, of, uh, of Nave uh, Ben Milton's Nave mm-hmm. um, and then. Also uh, played a few games of um, of uh, kind of uh, hacked together pieces of um, Arnold K's uh, Goblin Rules of Gaming, Goblin Laws of oh, Gaming, yeah, yeah. Uh, which which yeah is is kind of not you know I I, I I do like like how he's released his game as not really a game. It's it's a <laughs> it's a it's a collection of things and you kind of piece them together, which I think is is a great way to encourage people to start thinking about how to um, how to piece together a game, which is kind of what I did with Mouse Ritter. Um, and yeah, so, so ran a few games of that and, and enjoyed them, but also found that, uh, that, um, like, like combat in particular, I still like, like, despite the fact that these games are like super, super fast and super light. And I, I, as a game, as a game master, I don't have to really think about, the rules very much um uh it was still spent a, a lot of time like hacking around the edges trying to find ways to make combat go faster and then and then came across um into the odd and saw the the brilliant idea of just removing the the, the two hit roll from from combat and it just all clicked into place wow this is this is this is awesome 
Um, and so, yeah, ran a, ran a, a couple of games of, of Into the Odd, um, ran, a, ran, ran some players through um, tomb, of the, uh, tomb of the Skeleton, no, the, the Snake, no. The Serpent What's King. The, the Serpent King, that's the yeah, one. The yeah, the Skeleton's one. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, and, then, and then kind of, um, yeah, like um, kind of forgot about it a little bit and then was, was playing a, another group of friends uh, we started playing a, a campaign of um, Mice and Mystics, which is a, a, a mouse adventurer-themed uh, board game, hmm. which which I was enjoying. But yeah, it, like like every time I played it, I I just kept having this feeling in the back of my head. I'd just prefer to be playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, it's quite like um, it's almost like sort of um, it, it's kind of is it more like a skirmish game? I, mm-hmm. I haven't actually played it. I've seen it around. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a dungeon a dungeon skirmish game. It doesn't have like yeah. There's 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 not really much rules outside of combat. Um, yeah. And your your goals are very like very structured, and it's a structured board game. You know, for for kids. Uh, yeah to to take them through through kind of a, a a story that is pre-written and fight out a series of of like skirmishes against a bunch of cockroaches and and evil rats um and but yeah like like yeah playing playing this like my, my my friends were getting super into uh you know being a cute little mouse uh and i was enjoying that bit but kept on thinking in the back of my head i just wish i was playing Dungeons and dragons so uh kind of went went home went home one one evening and um kind of took took into the odd and wrote up the backgrounds table um which i'd i'd, I'd been looking at into the odd and thinking about how the how the backgrounds the the uh the backgrounds table and that works the um what, what are they called in into the odd the, uh, the starter packages the starter packages yeah yeah um and and wanted to to take that idea but simplify it a little bit um just just because the, the the maths of it Kind of did my head in a little bit, uh, and 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 filling in that this 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 uh, this uh, six by six table. What is it? Six by eight table? Uh, six by ten. Yeah. Oh, so right. sixty yeah, packages. Yeah. It was a yeah yeah. It was a bit it was a bit daunting. So so uh, kind of boil it down to a to a thirty six uh, uh, point table, and just wrote up you know a series of background tables, and then brought it brought it back the next week and said, hey, you want to play this? And and that that's kind of how Masrud happened. Awesome, and it's 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 really interesting. When I when I first heard about uh, Mouseritter, um, hmm. it's sort of it's one of those things that seemed like this, this sounds like a bad thing, but it seemed like a really obvious fit because it really reminded me of when I was um, sort of looking at art for more more for sort of Electric Bastion and when I had more sort of art to play with. Hmm. Uh, but whenever I've been sort of commissioning art for these games um one of the things that i've always had in mind and I, I sort of discussed this with alex who did the art for uh for electric bastion and was the idea that your character should look small compared to the world mm. and like when you sort of see the, the the artwork that always sort of got me excited for like D is when you've got like this character that's almost just like you almost can't you almost don't see them at first that the character's there and then you've got this sort of grand background mm. of uh, the, the sort of the place that's going to be explored and the unknown or something's something sort of really wondrous and huge and yeah. um i wanted to capture some of that so so yeah the idea of just making your characters mice um mm. <laughs> it's, it's like a weird kind of parallel to uh, to how i sort of I, how i already sort of imagined the sort of the tone of the game 
Yeah, I think it's a very, it's like a very natural fit. Um, like, like, I think that the things that excite me about playing Dungeons & Dragons as a, as, a, as a player is that feeling of, of vulnerability and that feeling of, of how am I going to get out of this mess? And I think, I yeah. think making, making, the, making the players um, mice uh, just, just kind of highlights that and says, okay, you know that mice are small, you know that mice are very vulnerable, you you know that that uh, a, a mouse is not going to have much of a chance against a cat. Uh, use use that that knowledge of the world to uh, as as a basis for for making the the gameplay decisions that you're going to make. Yeah, it's it sort of it sort of bakes in one of the um, when you sort of get players that are used to playing sort of more heroic styles of RPG. It can be difficult to get them to understand the idea that you might want to run away from some monsters in like yeah. if you're playing yeah. like a sort of old school D and D type thing. But um, I've 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 talked lots about how like animals are like some of the most potent like imagery you can use in an mm-hmm. RPG because when you when you sort of as soon as you say the word mouse, people get so many ideas in their head already, or a cat. Yeah. Whereas if you describe, I mean, I know a dragon is a very evocative thing, but like <laughs> if you're describing like a, I don't know, an otiog or something to someone for the first time, they're trying to just get their head around what it sort of literally looks like. It mm. doesn't have the same kind of weight to it. Yeah. And imagining the scales of those things as well is quite difficult. Like it's it's hard to imagine a thing like a, a creature as big as a skyscraper, but, yeah. or, but or, you know, or, or a creature as big as a house. It's just like you, you've never seen one of those things before, but you, but you can you can you can look at a cat and you can look at a mouse and think, oh shit, that's really scary. And it it, it, it solves one of my problems, which is I, I really struggle with um, imagining like distances. Like if you say you walk in a room and it's fifty foot wide, I'm, I yeah. sort of really have to stop and think like, well, what what do you mean? So in my mm. own games, it's kind of a running joke that I say, oh, it's about as big as the the park down the road <laughs> it's about as big as like as, as big as our kitchen um and it's um yeah so, and just just being able to draw on the familiar um mm. so that everybody knows what a like a tree stump is likely to look like to a mouse you can kind of you can kind of picture that without having to get into the actual ge- geometry of it yeah exactly I think it does lead to some to some complexity when you're when you're designing a when you're designing an adventure in in like working out the right size of tree stump that you can fit all the things you need to fit inside it. Uh, but but otherwise, it yeah it, it does really help uh, to yeah sell the the scale and sell the vulnerability and yeah put put players in that in that mindset. Yeah, and weirdly, thinking of just just to we, we, just to do a real deep dive on uh, tree stumps, um, <laughs> I, I was I was messing around with the um, the random dungeon generator that you have, um, mm. a sort of random location generator um, that you have on your website, and um, and it sort of randomly spat out this adventure that was set within a, a tree stump, but there was lots of um, like multiple multiple rooms mentioned sort of vertical climbs and like. Mm. It was kind of giving the impression of a tower, but oh yeah, because you're kind of drawing on the familiar. It's it's quite easy to then think, well, what's a tree st- a tree stump? But tall could be like a sort of a dead tree or like a hollowed out, yeah. like a tall sort of hollowed out tree rather than like an actual stump. And it's much it's much easier to, um, or much more sort of intuitive perhaps for the GM to be able to improvise around those familiar things. But they still create yeah. sort of a wondrous image when you picture it. It doesn't feel mundane, but it feels easy to sort of draw on your own experiences 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I think like when when I'm running a mouse rotor game, I think it, it it also makes you just appreciate nature a bit more as well. I think I think like I I when I'm when I'm running a mouse rotor game, I I love just like going out for a walk and seeing what I can see and thinking about how how you know a very small creature would interact with this like you know it it it, it makes a, a pile a pile of rocks a lot more interesting than that you might have just ignored when you were just going for a walk but if you if you walk past that pile of rocks and think oh i wonder what could be hiding in there i think that, yeah that, that's that's just a a nice thing to have in your life because in my experience, sort of doing wilderness, doing sort of wilderness nature themed adventures with like human characters, I found to be a real mixed bag in my experience. Because when you're when you're out in the woods or whatever yourself, and you're looking at some of these, you think, oh, I could describe this scene and it would feel great. But it it, it sometimes doesn't carry across when you're describing mm. it to these characters because they're just passing through. They're like, oh yeah, so you've described this this strange plant and it's like okay well is it useful can we chop it down no okay fine we move on but if, yeah. if that becomes almost like if that that's it's the dungeon or it's the it's the mountain or it's the you know it becomes the obstacle in mm. itself when you're when you take the scale right down yeah it turns the whole the whole world into a dungeon so in terms of the actual system that you uh, used for mouse ritter um there are some changes from Into the Odd. Um, what were the what were the sort of the big changes that you put in there, and sort of what was the kind of reasoning behind them? Um, so I think I think the the like the inventory system is probably the the most obvious one. Um, mm. Like Mouse Rider has quite yeah, it's it's a a an inventory system which uses uh, physical cards on your inventory sheet, which represent your 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 armor or your weapons or your torches or your rations yeah that 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 was that was also like i, I think i think kind of mouse Ritter grew out of grew, like, it was kind of my my love letter to the um uh to the osr blog blogs that i was reading um and that that kind of little cards uh, as a as an inventory system was uh was something i'd seen on um on last grasp uh grimoires um uh, yeah. crafts inventory system and just thought that would be, that that's a, that's a that's a cool idea. I like that a lot. Um, and it and um, yeah, I think I think it, it really helps the players like uh, give you know like like I, you know I, I wanted to make this game like fun and tactile for the players, especially since we were coming from a from a board game which had like fun tactile pieces. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to to um, to to give that same feeling of having a having a you know you, you feel excited when you pick up a when you pick up a sword card and and it also means that you can then hand that sword card to your to your friend um when you're like handing over an item and it feels real um yeah it's 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 something that i to, to be honest with you when i heard about it my my gut reaction as somebody who tries to sort of keep things as simple as possible my gut reaction was oh it sounds it sounds a bit complicated but then when i actually sort of looked at it and when i've spoken to people who've used it i think it's um it, well first of all it's not complicated i think i was i was assuming it was some like intricate like jenga mini game like <laughs> thing like <laughs> i was getting games i think I, yeah. I think i thought it was um perhaps more more rules than it was mm. um but then when i actually looked at it, yeah it's it's really cool and i've 
every single person that has spoken to me about Mouseritter probably has said something about how they like the inventory system and how mm. how cool that is and how much the players responded to it. That's the thing as well. Like I think, like you say, it's that tactility of again, like it, it's one thing to describe something to someone, but even just that small addition of having a physical mm. piece of card that relates to it just makes it feel a lot more real and the amount of times I've had players like forget that they've got something <laughs> in their backpack or like yeah. they got some item they were excited about at the start of the game and then at the end they're like oh I never used that in the end <laughs> so I think having them there and having to sort of having to manage that inventory a little bit more hmm. um, and I, I think I think things. one advantage of it is you don't really have to explain it a lot like it, it oh yeah the the uh, like the character sheet kind of says to you here's here's your here's your here's what you can put in your backpack and it's got six six spots where you can put things here's here's a here's a slot a spot that's named uh, main pour here's a slot that's named off pour here's two slots that are named body and and it kind i think that all of that is very intuitive you don't really need need to explain much about that about how that works people just kind of look at it and they get it um and you don't you don't really you don't need a bunch of rules to explain encumbrance or explain weights of things or explain how much stuff you can carry which i think i think like um like one thing i really like into the odd basically doesn't just ignores inventory basically it kind of just says um yeah yeah yeah, you have the stuff that you need and that's cool which i think i think is a is a a a a brilliant solution but yeah i I think i'm I'm a bit more mechanically minded with a lot of these things and i kind of want to mechanize things a bit more Mm. And I like the, I, th- I think I like the idea that it, it sort of almost creates a, a picture of your character as well when you look at that sheet because you can see, obviously you can see what they've got in each hand, hmm. but if you can see that they've got like you know a book in the body slot and a or like a rusty nail or whatever it is, um, you sort of picture it kind of you picture it on your character I find, whereas when it's just part of a list on your sheet, it's quite easy to think oh they you've got this backpack that magically like a Mary Poppins bag that you just put everything in. Yeah, and uh, and it all fits in, but somehow <laughs> having it on your body makes it feel more like you're kind of like geared up for an adventure, and you kind of yeah. picture that that little mouse a bit more. I think. Yeah, and and it does does make a nice ritual at the start of each session. I I I have my 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 players each have a little a little ziploc baggie with all of their items in it, so that they in at the start of each session they have to you know pull pull all their items out of the the ziploc baggie and lay them out on their character sheet. Uh, ah, nice. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I like like also on on the inventory system. I think I think the the um, the conditions. I think are also maybe yeah. one, are also maybe one of the only real innovations in Mouse Ritter. I'm not sure. I I can't remember if I stole that from somewhere. It's it's likely that I did. But um, yeah, so so the conditions in Mouse Ritter, which are just a a, a negative a negative thing that's happened to your character, um, which which is as 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 a as a GM who like who likes to pile on misery, um, you know that my my nice little mouse game might not look like look like that, but it 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 is really a game that likes to pile on misery. Um, the the conditions give uh, are, are um, little little cards that you that that you as the GM can give to your players when a bad thing happens, when they're hungry, when they're injured, when they're tired, um, and those are also little physical cards which go on into their into their inventory um which uh 
then take up those valuable slots, which they then um, can't use for the useful items that they want to use. And then, so they've got to clear those those uh, those conditions by meeting certain criteria, like by having a long rest or or um, eating a meal or whatever. And I think those those there's two two bits of mouse ritter that I I mean I, I I enjoyed pretty much all of it, but I I there, there are two bits where I was like. I kind of wish I'd thought of that myself, or I thought I was sort of. I, I, I'm going to steal that for something <laughs> in the future. And the the conditions going into your inventory is one of them. I think that's mm. that's such an. And obviously, there's. I'm sure there's some inspiration from coming from. A, you said about Nave from Ben Milton. Yeah, yeah. But I think that little iteration on that system is really great. And um, mm. the um, the other one. Um, funnily enough, these we we had. Um, I've done a recording with um, uh, Yochai Gol, who did yep. Ken, mm-hmm. and. Um, these are, I think, are the two things that he stole for uh, <laughs> for <Yep>. his back <laughs> into the yard. Um, so it was the, the the conditions and the the way that spells uh, work. Um, yeah. So I so, think the the way that you cast is sort of inspired by the 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 Arnold Kemp's Goblin yeah, Laws yeah. of Gaming. Yeah. So yeah, the spell yeah spells are stolen from from the Goblin Laws of Gaming and and yeah. So so in 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 that system, they kind of work like you you have your your you have a wizard class. And you you get a certain number of spells in in a kind of traditional Dungeons Dragon style, uh, with with Mouse Ritter, yeah, um, I, I I loved how how Nave just like made your character the stuff that you were carrying, um, and um, yeah, so so yeah, and 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 also had this has this this magic system where you just you know you, you have a spell and and that spell takes up an item slot, and um, you you cast it. Uh, and so, yeah, the the, the the um the the magic system is yeah borrowed heavily from um from Arnold K with um where where the spell but the spells are then just just turned into an item that you carry around with you instead of a uh, instead of a a, a thing in, that lives in the wizard's head, mm. um and yeah so 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 yeah each of the spells that you have is a is like a a uh, an obsidian tablet carved with magical runes that's trap a trap a spirit, um, and and each of those spells has a, has an effect, um, and you can spend a certain number of dice when you cast that spell, um, and you roll those you roll those dice, and um, depending on the spell, certain certain things happen, um, based on based on the the sum and the and the and the number of dice that you spend that you roll. And then, if any of those any of those dice come up with a four or five or a six, you mark usage on the spell, which is uh, another system that that the game uses, where all of the items that you carry have three little dots on them. Um, yeah. And so, whenever you you do something that would like damage it or damage an item or use it up in some way, so like when you burn a torch or when you you damage your sword or when your armor is is damaged in a fight. Um, or when when you roll a four, five, or six on a spell, then you mark a little dot on that on that item. And when then when all of those those dots are marked, then that uh, that item is either destroyed or depleted, depending on what kind of item it is. Um, and so with spells, um, you each of the spells has a little uh, retra- recharge condition, which is just a little a little quest that you've got to uh, you've got to complete to get that spell back. Uh, to recharge it so for like the um 
the ghost beetle spell. You've got to bury it in a beetle graveyard for three nights, which uh, gives gives the, the the mice a little a little quest basically to um, to find a beetle graveyard to bury the spell, then to guard the spell, um, which um, which they could just ignore if they they decide that that spell isn't that useful to them. Or it could just be a little side quest for them to complete with the with the which which I think I think really helps um, uh, helps with with um, players who um, you know they, like, helps them them develop this this like player agency as well. So they 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 see this little quest that they've got to complete and they think oh yeah I've got to do that. Um, that that it's not something that not something that that the GM's telling them to do. Not not some grand quest that, that they've got to do to like save the world. It's just something that they've got to do to to um to to get their spell back. Yeah, and it's it's kind of an interesting um, parallel to like material components in like. Sorry, I keep mm. going back to classic D and D in this episode. I don't know why we're so D and D focused, but like that that kind of idea of um, material components of spells always seemed so evocative. But I think it's probably fair to say the vast majority of tables kind of. Just don't don't they're, worry about they're it. So, they're so easy to forget. Yeah, and but they're, they're very cool to read in the book. Yeah, and it's it's such interesting little bits of world building, and it's such sort of ripe ground for for creating these little quests and these little hooks. And I think mm. I think I think you've got a good balance in these where they they feel like like yes, I would actually engage with these at the table rather than just oh I, I would read this, think it was cool, and then at the table the GM would say ah don't worry, it's fine, you, you do it between sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, because I I think they're all they're all like fairly achievable. Oh yeah, yeah, and and they sort of they they fit they fit the kind of places and things you might be doing anyway. I think that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, um, in in a lot of cases, so it's it, it but but not not so much that you would just do them without thinking, but enough that you would be able to find opportunities to do them. I think that's the key. Yeah. Um. So I I think I've heard you sort of mention before in um. In interviews talking about Mouse to how you kind of like games where the rules kind of get out of the way a little bit. Mm, yeah. Um, and the, the 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 question, which may or may not have an answer, um, which, which people have asked me about before, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Is sort of well, if, if the rules get out of the way, um, what does that sort of make way for for you <laughs> in your game? I mean, yeah, that is a, that is a good question. I think that that. Um... I think I think that the way that I see the rules getting out of the way is not that the rules um, aren't there. It's it's that the rules guide the the way that you play. So I, I think like like into into the odd, um, the way that uh, that saves work is is great because you say you 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 roll a save as a as kind of a punishment. Um, hmm. Things things happen. Uh, unless, unless something you're, unless you're in a dangerous situation. Um, and I, I think that that, 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 that very simple, simple change from, from like a, a check to do something like a skill check in Dungeons and Dragons to a save makes just, just, um, just flips the whole, um, the whole system on its head where players aren't, aren't thinking, uh, Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this lock, or I'm gonna roll my roll my lock picking save or whatever, my, yeah. my lock picking check. Um, they're they're thinking, okay, what's what's the clever way I can 
I can I can find to avoid interacting with the rules, mm. which um, which which is something I, I kind of tell tell players up front. Like the, the these rules, the rules that are here. There's not a lot of them, but the the rules that are here are here to punish you, and your goal as a player is to avoid interacting with them. And I think I think that's similar to sort of my view on it as well. In that the and also when you have sort of the fewer rules you have, the more important those rules feel in some ways yeah mm-hmm. um like nave being a sort of extreme example where um N- nave does have like saving throws and things like that um but really like so much of the focus in a game like nave is the inventory and same with mouse mm. which i imagine when you're looking down at your mouse to sheets like the inventory is sort of stands out to you much more than than other other things on the on the on the character sheet perhaps so yep. it it sort of it gets the player thinking about those like if they know that if they know that saving throws are one of the only roles they're going to make it, it, like you say, it means they want to avoid them. Whereas if saving throws are just one of like eight different types of role they can make, mm. it's sort of, they sort of think it, it, it's hard to know what to think. And it's, it's hard to know what, like <laughs> what sort of you're playing at that point in my experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think like, like with, with math inventory, it does, it does like, you know, it, it is like right there. It's like the biggest thing on the character sheet. And it does get the mm-hmm. players thinking. Oh, what, what 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 can I what can I do with this flask of coffee? How can how can yeah. I use this flask of coffee to to get around this tricky situation that doesn't involve me making a roll when I've got when I've got a, a, a dexterity score of of five and I'm probably going to die if I make this roll. And same with the conditions. Like it's my my sort of issue with conditions when I have played things like fifth edition are that I either forget how that condition works or mm. I sort of forget that I have it or I forget that a player has that condition. Um, yeah. Whereas again, if, it, if it's right there on the, on the yeah, sheet and the, the nice card even tells bright, you. Bright red card that has written on it. You, you roll, you roll all your saves with disadvantage now. The thing I was thinking about, and <laughs> I've, I've joked before about the, the reason that you roll a D4 in into the odd when, when your attack is impaired Hmm. is because it's the lowest die but also it's like the least satisfying die to use so it's like <laughs> it, it feels innately bad to roll a d4 yep. <laughs> so it's like oh you, you feel like you're struggling to like <laughs> be effective um so i was trying to think whether you could um what, what you could do with these um condition cards to make them like i don't want to say physically annoying. painful like <laughs> so the players them, wouldn't want them in front of them they'd, they'd yeah, be actively like oh, this is annoying. yeah they should just give off like a high pitch <laughs> Obviously, we, we spoke a little bit about some of your other influences for the game. Um, hmm. So we talked about uh, Glog, um, the Goblin Lords of Gaming. We talked about Nave. Um, it, interesting. What, one of the th- things you mentioned, you're the second person in two days that's uh, that sort of really talked up uh, Last Gasp Grimoire, the blog. Hmm. Um, so if anybody's listening to this and hasn't read that blog, I recommend you go and go and read it. Uh, I think it's. I think it's dormant at the moment, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. It doesn't um, update much. If, no, if, but there's if, a lot of, if, lot of cool stuff. Yeah. There's a lot um, of cool but, ideas on there. What were your sort of other sources of inspiration that you drew on for the game in terms of whether it's the game mechanics itself or sort of the, the theme? Mm. Um, yeah, I think, I think like, uh, like, like Mothership was a, a huge inspiration when I, when I saw that book and, and, saw saw the layouts and just thought oh man this this is cool mm. imagine imagine look look at how much stuff you can pack into 24 pages 
um, and and that that, that I think that that uh, that inspiration is pretty pretty obvious in in Mouse Ritter. It's it's like very densely packed. So so with Into the Art, I tried to do it. I've, I've sort of come full circle on this because with Into mm. the Art, I wanted to like cram as much as I could onto each page. So the layout is very very dense and yeah. very um, sort of like. It's very much intended to be like, here's everything you need for this topic on one page. Yeah. But I, I, I get equal amounts of kickback no matter which direction <laughs> I go with it. Like I have some people telling me that that's really difficult to read. And then when something's a bit more spread out, like Electric Bastioland or Into the Odd Remastered, mm. um, you know, I get I get people that say, oh, I wish everything was on one page. So I, I think there's no one right way to do it. But I think a really good balance is what you see in, yeah, what, what you see in Mouse Ritter and what you see in Mothership, which is that there are very dense pages, but... It's a small, mm. it's a small book, and you. I, I unfortunately I missed out on the box set uh, Kickstarter, but the um, obviously Mothership's doing the box set. You've got your mm-hmm. box set, and it's this kind of what's really appealing to me at the moment is this kind of modular, this idea of it being modular with with something like the Goblin Laws of Gaming being quite an extreme example, where it's literally you have to go around scouring different blogs to sort of build the system <laughs> yeah. from like bits and pieces. Um, and I think it's it's really appealing because it it's it gives you a nice low um, barrier to entry mm. where you you can just kind of you can just use the one book or you can kind of like you, you can use all the extra bits that come with it or you can you can sort of choose your level of engagement with the game and and yeah that 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 sounds really appealing to me. Was, so was the was that the sort of thinking behind doing a box set? Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, like the the box set, the box set was was kind of um, it was Andre's idea from Games and Omnivorous. Um, he he kind of, yeah, I, I like, I, I I kind of I kind of I'd written the the the, the zine the zine edition of Mouse Ritter, which is is uh, twenty four pages and, mm. um, yeah, pretty. I I kind of thought I was done. I thought it was you know I thought that, that that's a cool game. Seeing people seem to like it, but you know it's it's it's. It serves its purpose, hmm. and then and then um, um, yeah, Andre from Games and Nervous is very good at seeing a cool idea and how and thinking about how to make it cooler. And so yeah, he, he had this he had this idea for for making a making a box set of it, um, and including including a GM screen and a bunch of other stuff. And at, the, at that point, I was uh, I was look, I was looking at a I was I was at my at my. Uh, visiting my niece and uh, looking at a, a a little golden book and thinking, man, it would be cool to have a, car- a hardcover of of the Mouse Rider book, um, a little golden book. That's just twenty four pages, so mm. so you know it is isn't isn't too absurd to have a hardcover of a tiny little zine. And then then I got thinking oh, that, that is kind of absurd. It's got to it's got to be at least it's got to be at least uh, double that for it to be a hardcover book. Otherwise, it's just you're just selling people a cover with, with, uh, <laughs> with, with three sheets of paper in between, um, and so yeah, like yeah, yeah. So so uh, yeah. Last last year we we, we released the, um, the 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 first edition or well, yeah, like the first printing of the box set, which, um, uh, yeah, which which um, for for that I kind of went back and and expanded out the. Expanded out the the zine of of Mouse Ritter out to to um, to forty four pages um, and added, added in a bunch of a bunch of uh, things that I'd kind of wanted to include or, th- or thought that 
um, you know, kind, kind of things that I'd, I'd just intentionally omitted from the, from the zine of Mouse River. Like, mm. like what is a role-playing game? What are dice? Yeah. Uh, and, and also things that I think are really important, like an example of play, um, which, um, which I think, I think, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to make, to make th- th- that, that version of Mouse Ritter, the kind the, the version that could be someone's first role-playing game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which I think that the, the, the first, the first, ver- like the zine version of Mouse Ritter, the 24 page version, I don't think it could be, it, it's too it's too dense, it's too brief, and it, and it just emits a lot of that really important information uh, that that players would need to, you know, you, could, you couldn't just give it to your, to your, um, your, your 10-year-old nephew and, and, and ask him to figure it out. But I, th- I think, I hope that, um, that maybe the, the, um, the, the larger 44-page version of Mouse Ritter has got just enough to to um to work um yeah so i I used to joke that um with into the art i i wrote it i tried to write it as if it could be somebody's first rpg Mm. but like that the the odds of somebody discovering this as their first rpg this weird niche tiny thing um were like you know astronomically low um but i think when i look at games now that that sort of are fitting sitting in this kind of niche that we're in Mm. It, it almost—I don't know if it's just because I've become more <laughs> more settled into like um, the, the community feels a little bit wider perhaps than it used to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do feel like Mouse Ritter could be somebody's first game. Um, have, have you sort of heard of many anybody like coming to you and saying this is the first game that I ran? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm not. I don't think I've seen it as anyone's first game that I ran. I, I've definitely yeah. seen a lot of people playing it with their introducing it to their families as, as the first game that they're playing with their kids, which, which I love to see. That's, that's so cool. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think with Mouse Ritter, I, I kind of like with the box set, I kind of felt like I had a, um, an obligation to, to make it so, you know, to try my hardest to make it the, the, um, the, that, uh, that, that someone could play it as their first role-playing game, because I felt like with this kind of, you know, the, the cutesy mouse setting and the, um, the you know and and it being a and it being a box that set you can buy i feel like that's something that people could like you know someone could buy it for someone and i kind yeah. of wanted to make sure that in that case that 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 10 year old kid could figure it out and i think i think even if you it, it's just quite a good design goal to have even mm. if you don't think it's going to be even even if you think that's going to be a tiny percentage of the people that actually pick up the game I think yeah. I think even experienced players sometimes appreciate that tone and appreciate that kind of that kind of approach where it feels like this could have been the first game they picked up and um, yeah yeah then it's it sort of it's yeah it, it creates a certain sort of feel I think when you're trying to learn the game yeah and and that's that's something I've tried to focus on in the rules writing as well as is make you know trying trying to make sure that the rules follow in a pretty logical fashion and and that the the terms are defined in a, in a in an easy to understand way, and that there's no super big missing pieces. There's there are there are missing pieces in the rules, and that and some of those are intentional. Um, but I, th- I think for the most part, I think it 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 it, it that it, I, I've, yeah, I've really tried to write it in a way that that you can kind of just follow it step by step. 
Yeah. And then and then hopefully read the read the example of play and figure out the rest. So I think we're rounding up about on time. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about Mouse Rift or Into the Odd? No, I don't think so. I think I think Into the Odd is Into the Odd is a very cool game and I'm very excited to um to to get the the very nice book of the second edition. <laughs> you're, the, you're the second person that when I've sort of done this, like, oh, is there anything else you wanted to mention? They've sort of sounded like they had a gun to their head, um, saying no, like, I'm yeah, into a, the yard is great. Everyone, no, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a legit, like, just a big fan. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a, a cool game and such, such a like a big inspiration to, to like how I've gamed for the last couple of years. <laughs> like that's, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today and obviously for making uh, Mouse Ritter, which I think, again, if just, just to return the favour, I, I genuinely think everybody should check out Mouse Ritter. There's, there's even like a free version um, that if you're sort of undecided. Um, so yeah, where, where, where can people go to find out more about Mouse Ritter? Uh, you can just go to mouseritter.com, M-A-U-S-R-I-T-T-E-R.com and you can find everything there. Awesome. And is there, is there somewhere they can find about the, the the wider range of your stuff that you do? Yeah, I have a I have a blog that doesn't really get updated. So just just go to mouseridder.com. You that that's that's the best place to go. <laughs> Stay off the blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it feels it feels like an obligation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so yeah, thank you again and um, thank you out there everyone for listening. And as always, you can keep up to date with everything bastionland at bastionland.com where there are links to the discord server twitch and youtube channels and to patreon where you can help support those things um, and you can join me next week where i'll be welcoming another guest to talk about into the odd goodbye for now